Bigfoot Collectors Club with Bryce and Michael. I know a ghost story or two. <laughs> hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Bigfoot Collectors Club, the show where we talk to amazing guests about their personal paranormal history and share stories of high strangeness. I am your host, Michael McMillan. With me always is your other host, Bryce Johnson. And our super producer, Riley Bray. Hey everybody, welcome back yeah. to the Clubhouse. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. That How's super it? producer really does have a nice ring to it. It's, it's I'll good. take it. I yeah. like it. Yeah, it's yeah. cool. Congratulations. It's especially fitting when I'm struggling to set things up <laughs> in the moments while you're just it, running it, out of small talk. Yeah. We are the clubhouse, the studio's quickly becoming the Millennium Falcon in, in Empire Strikes Back, where it's just like we're, we're trying to escape Hoth. The uh, snowtroopers and Darth Vader are marching through Echo Base, and we are trying to take off. You knew the name of the base. Oh, I know way too much. (laughs) That, of course, is the voice of our guest. Uh, He is brilliant actor. Bryce, why don't you introduce your friend today? Oh, yeah. Well, I've known this guy uh, for over 10 years, and uh, we did a... Oh, I'm going in and out. Is that all right? Can you hear me? That's because you keep turning your head away from me. No, you have no, to, you have that's to talk not it. In, into yeah, the microphone. I hear it, but I, I don't hear anything now. You're good. You sound great. Yeah, I'm going. Um... Check his cans. Okay, that's guys, right, the stormtroopers right. are advancing. <laughs> oh yeah, right. Dun, 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 <laughs> we gotta get. Dun, dun, we gotta get three people off the dun, ramp. Come I'm on. <laughs> yes. So I've known this guy uh, for oh my god, ten plus years. We did a uh, Bobcat Goldthwait movie together called Sleeping Dogs Lie. Um, that went to Sundance, and we've known it. We've been kept in touch ever since. Because um, you're awesome. Oh, and vice versa. <laughs> um, yeah, let, let us introduce to you uh, actor, writer, director, savant, Jack Plotnick. Hello, everybody. Hey. Such, I love being here. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Thanks I do for not being know here. what a savant is, but I'm going to guess it's French for really smart. <laughs> That's basically exactly <laughs> right. Well, there you go. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> wee, wee, wee. Jack is one of the uh, five actors that I've seen in my less than <laughs> as many pilot auditions this season. <laughs> oh, yeah. So uh, we were telling war stories before yes. uh, we started rolling. Yes. Uh, always good to have uh, a, a a, a buddy, a war buddy, out uh, you know <laughs> here here with us in the clubhouse. Jack, how are you? Fantastic. Yeah, good. Yeah, spooked because I feel there's an empty chair here, and I think like Bigfoot's gonna walk in at we, any second to sit down. Yes, mm-hmm. like Passover, we set a place for Bigfoot <laughs> at, okay. at our clubhouse. <laughs> oh dear, that's just a broken chair that I, I got well, tired of sitting oh, on. Lovely. Week okay. after week. Well, then there Again, you go. Just an extra seat. No, but uh, I, I I'm. Fascinated by all things weird and mysterious, and um, I like to say that I'm like 80% will believe in anything. Okay, oh, yeah. so what's your personal paranormal history? How oh, how boy. did you become fascinated? Have you well, ever I have a, encountered I have a weird anything? thing where I really, really am fascinated by ghosts, but desperately never want to see one. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and, and whenever I meet a new person, it's always the first thing I say: Have you seen a ghost or a UFO? Right. Uh, so, but I don't. I'm just, whenever I go to like a new hotel, I'm gonna right before I go to bed. I, I'm like, please do not show yourself to me. I don't want to wake up and see an old woman in a rocking chair at the foot of my bed because <laughs> I do believe if you tell them that they won't show up. And then again, twenty percent of me is like, this is bullshit. But anyway, right. <laughs> I know I I. I 
I do believe if you if you live in a place that's haunted, whatever haunted means to you, I believe you know it. And I know I lived in a pretty weird place that was probably haunted in college for one year, my uh, sophomore year of college. This house was really weird to be in. And everyone that lived there, there was me and like six other people, we all felt it. And uh, like shades would just just like go shoot oh, yeah. up. And uh, are you sure the building pick- just wasn't up to code? <laughs> that too, because <laughs> some of the places I lived in in Pittsburgh in college were Pittsburgh, Carnegie Mellon. Yeah, yes. Wait, are you Carnegie Mellon as well? Yes. Oh, what? Get I out lived of town. in what used to be called the Dermat Frat. This house that, and every time they would tell you, "Dude, this is haunted, but have fun." And uh, yeah, but here you want to hear my the the most ghosty story? Sure, clearly. Okay. <laughs> Clearly. No, save that one for, <laughs> for inside the, the actor's studio. <laughs> so, so um, I'm laying in bed, and and everybody's really gone to bed at this point. I know everybody's home. Uh, my friend Chris, though, he's in the living room watching TV. It's it's late at night, and I hear because my bedroom is closest to the stairs that you use to get up to the first level of our house. I hear clunk, 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 and I was like. And I'm just about to drift off to sleep, but I thought, who is coming in? Like, I thought everybody was home. And then I go to bed, and I fall asleep. Now, the next day, I talked to my friend Chris, and I said, D- who came in? What was, the, what was that? He goes, you, you heard that? I was like, yeah. He's like, I, heard, I also heard somebody coming up our stairs. And the thing is, those stairs basically put you in the living room where he was. And he said he was watching the door to see if when this person would come in and they didn't come in. There was nobody there. But then you, to get to the rest of the house, you have to walk through the living room and open a door to get to the rest of the house. He said the door just mm. opened by itself. Yikes. So it was, but that, this was pretty de rigueur. Is that French? And for this place, and actually a girl I lived with at the, in this house, she swore that she saw the, the ghost and that she was said, I woke up one morning, an old man was sitting on the radiator, looked at me. Trying to keep them buns warm. <laughs> right. Trying to keep the buns warm. Thank God. you. It's cold in Pittsburgh. Why are they always watching people sleep? It's like, <laughs> they're always I, at the I foot know, of the that's bed. why I say, do not right. look at me. Don't sleep. Yeah. Whatever you do, do not go to sleep. That is... A thing you could do, I guess. That's the like, way, only way you can fight Freddy Krueger. That's he, what we miss the most, being in the spirit world. We we really miss sleeping. <laughs> so we just like really fun to watch you guys. We really, we really like I mean, you're really good it. at it now too. <laughs> we, we we close our eyes if you masturbate, but we want to see you sleep. <laughs> to be honest, I did this a lot when I was alive too. I would just walk into people's bedrooms and sit on the, <laughs> right. sit on radiators and just yes. watch them drift yeah, off. My bad, sorry. It's just a habit. So <laughs> I'm he, a pervert, and then we and he. <laughs> He stood up and just walked out through the window, uh, just sort of disappeared through the wall. Uh, I mean, she was a, a sort of a kooky girl, but mm. I believed her because that was how weird this house was. Yeah. that's that. I mean, all those houses in Pittsburgh, like Squirrel Hill, Shadyside, I feel like every single one of those is haunted. I don't know what Carnegie was doing <laughs> to his factory workers 100 years ago, but I feel like so many of them must have like died of black lung or something because... We lived in a house in Shadyside, and I've told this story before where I was in the shower and heard the back door open, close, footsteps come in. I thought it was my roommate, and I was like, hey, what's up? Uh, no answer. Came out. The dead lo- the, the door was deadbolted on the inside, you know, and, like, no one was in there. And my, my buddy was like, nah, I was at rehearsal. Uh, but uh, my bedroom at that same place always felt – it was always weird because there was, like – this old, this old walk-in closet that you had to like duck to get into. It was more of a crawl space. Ew! And I could have sworn that that is where 
the well that's where the entity was because every time i would like go into that closet i would just feel like something watching me from the very back of the closet and one night i was sleeping in that bedroom and i woke up because i felt two hands (gasps) pressing on my back my bare back like like just Uh not even like pushing me down just like on your, on, your bear, bear, on my bare on my bare buttocks. No, just on my like shoulder blades. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh. it woke me up, and it, it was as if someone had just come in and placed their hand. It, oh, was, God, it no. wasn't like and one yet of those sleep paralysis. Staying in that room, I didn't have a choice. Also, it was like two hundred bucks a month. It Can was I great. just put it out to your audience? You have a choice. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I do. I think you do. That's Bryce's advice. It's just move, move Always out. Just move. Yeah. Yeah. Over water. <laughs> does the water help? I once heard it was something like over water, like don't they can't cross water. Oh, no? I that... don't know. Water always seems to be involved in uh, in paranormal activity, whether it's like you know ghosts, Wa- UFOs. Water's Bigfoot. a gateway often yeah. for interdimensional entities coming through. Yeah, it really. To is, this, yeah. this, why I only drink alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> well, I did that for ten years, and that didn't seem to stop. Them. <laughs> <laughs> but those were inner demons, Bryce. Oh, right, right. <laughs> I get those confused. Different demons. Yeah. <laughs> My so, bad. Growing up, where did you grow up, Jack? In Ohio. Okay. And were there any local legends, urban legends? Well, I was terrified of the house that my parents moved me into. Speaking of, like, wishing you could move. Well, we were in this adorable, like, you know, suburban track house, and my mom's like, let's move uh, to this old house that was originally a log cabin in the Lincoln, you know, back when Lincoln was alive. And then uh, they just kept adding to it. But the the reason why I was terrified of this house, I think, is, by the way, I'm really young right now, and we move into a house where my mom shared with me that the woman who lived there right before us uh, told her that she would go out to the garden in the backyard to talk to Satan. Oh, geez. And my mom shared this with me because thought, oh, of course I'll tell my, you know, what was it, nine-year-old. Wow. It sounds like a last uh, Merchant Ivory film. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Tea with Satan. Yes. <laughs> I'll and- meet you by the uh, dandelions <laughs> tonight. And her son was this fat, scary-looking kid who was obsessed with the movie Jaws. So he would spray paint. Do you remember the poster of the Jaws coming out of the water, that shape? Yeah. Sure. He yeah. would spray paint it all over, especially in the dungeon-y basement. There's never been a scarier basement than this one. And he would spray paint it all over. And he, and he actually had a pet shark in in our bathtub. <laughs> so anyway, so they leave with their weird, like, spray-painted, crazy, sig- satanic... Sig- you know that kid grew up to become Banksy, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a happy ending. <laughs> so when I would get home from school as a kid, I would go to the, directly to the kitchen to get a knife uh, and walk through the house and just make sure that every closet was empty. Wow. That's kind of brave, ready to, actually. Ready to stab a fool, yeah. I guess my plan was to stab the <laughs> yeah, thing. Yeah. And when were you diagnosed with general fine. anxiety disorder? <laughs> oh, boy, oh, boy. Well, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that's what I teach. And, uh, you know, just how to get over anxiety. Yeah. And I guess that's that oh was the beginning God. of it. I, I, I'm sorry. We have to go back to a couple things. One, the woman who talked in the garden with Satan. Yeah, yeah, and two, the shark in the bathtub. Can we yeah. just... Well, I'm, uh, the problem is I was so young. Right. I mean, these were the details shared with me, which should not have been shared right. with me. So. Oh, actually, the and I think I I must have seen the movie Psycho because I would the first year of my my life in that house I wouldn't shower without being able to see my mom through the shower uh, door in the so she would have to just sit on her bed while I showered. Right, that is very much like Psycho, but not in the way that you're thinking. <laughs> <feel> yeah, like- <laughs> <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> Turns out like I'm the- Norman. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Oh shit! I, mean, I never thought of it that showering way. Showering in front of your mother, yeah, wielding a knife while, while you're in the house. <laughs> Wait a minute. Jack- 
I think we've hit upon yeah. something here. Oh my God, I'm Congratulations on your breakthrough. <laughs> <laughs> this is that moment in the movie when all these flashbacks come yeah. to me, and I yeah. remember oh, wearing shit. the dress yeah. and killing the child, and, and yeah. I'm like, that was me! Putting the car the in sh- the quicksand. You, yes. were the, you were the shark yes. in the bathtub, too. Oh, shit, you're killing me. That is so funny. I deserve that. Oh my God. But the answer is I don't have any more details for you. That because it was but uh, I was very young. I'm fascinated by the uh the girl going out to talk to Satan in the yeah. garden. That's so specific. Yeah. That was Shark Boy's mom? Yeah. Wow. What was going on in that house? Yeah, very scary. Weird. Were there but, uh yes? No, I was just gonna go on, please. No, no, no. Well, no, I have you. a UFO story. Oh, great! Oh, yeah. yeah, I was. But just I didn't a- want to rush to that because I don't know how you know. Well, let's. I, I want to follow more. up on Ohio a little bit. <laughs> okay. In 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 this area, would you remember any? Uh, this is a question that I'm sort of starting to ask our our guests. Every more and more. city has Wallahalla. Well, that we called it Wallahalla Road, but it's that road where the kids went down, and then the guy with the hook kills the boyfriend, and the hook is on the car to win. So yeah, we had that street. Oh wow, <laughs> I've never heard of that Wallahalla. What? Yeah, no, that's a first. <laughs> no, the faint, the urban legend where the girl, the and then she hears dripping on the car roof, and it's her boyfriend. They pull away, and the the hook is left in the car door. Oh, right, man. right. So you had that urban legend. We had the. Um, I can't remember what it's called. I've been there where it's Gravity Hill, where the the cars push back oh, up. Oh yeah, I love that story. Up the road, oh. and if you if you did you're, it work, it did. But I feel like I feel like it was an <laughs> optical. Like- it, I we definitely put the car in neutral and it rolled backwards. But I think it was an optical illusion where because of the grading, it looks like you're rolling uphill. But I feel like right. it's got to be. It's down. like that it's house like a hill, hill on a hill. Yeah, it's a hill yeah. on a hill, dude. <laughs> yeah. It's like that house in Knott's Berry Farm where all the pool balls go up into the. Oh, yeah, I love that. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, like with those mystery spots that yeah. you see alongside the road as you're driving up a uh, yeah. PCH. No, or I don't something. think we had any real. Uh, you don't no. remember any, any local. Like cryptids or monsters, Bigfoot stories or anything. Oh, I wish. No, I no, and I did a lot of creek walking. I wouldn't have done it if I'd known there was a Bigfoot around. So I'm glad <laughs> nobody told me any Bigfoot stories. Well, you know, every time you're walking down that creek and you the look Ohio back, grass and there was only two footsteps, there was only one pair of footsteps. Mm-hmm. That was Jesus carrying you. That yeah, was right. Bigfoot well, carrying. That was when Bigfoot was carrying you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> No, I went there too. Yeah, I was like, oh, I love that poem. Yeah. So, no, what's the UFO story? And was this in Ohio? Uh, no, this was um, not too long after I moved to LA. It was definitely unidentified because I, I have still to have no idea what that possibly could have been. And I always wanted to see a UFO, but I also, whenever I'm out among you know a, this, a starry night and it's really like dark and you really see all the stars and you see the whole sky above you, mm-hmm. I get really freaked out looking up at it because I I think about that huge shape hovering right above you. Yeah, like that concept of a huge shape hovering over you has freaked me out my whole life so uh, my experience wasn't like that thank goodness because that would have been too much for me to handle but it was the reason why I remember this that I went outside uh, it it was the windiest night of ever of my life in LA because there is no wind in LA but once every you know five years and then all of a sudden you get wind and you're like ah and I so I went outside because it was crazy windy it was late late at night and uh, I was out on the roof of of our carport and um, I look up in the sky uh and I see like about seven or eight little lights all flying in together. Oh, wow. And I thought 
my brain is trying to figure out what it is because I've never seen anything like this. And it was far, far away. And I thought, well, that's got to be a whole bunch of helicopters flying in perfect unison. I was going to ask if the lights were in uniform or if they were like dancing about. In no, a not at all. They were just little pinpoints of light. <laughs> and they were kind of, I guess you could say in an oblong formation, all flying very, very slowly across the sky, but, but pretty far away. And, and my mind thought, well, that has to be helicopters. And then... This is the moment I got really freaked out. I realized that as they tr- slowly traveled together, the the area in the middle of them was black. It was blocking yeah. out the stars behind Ooh, them. And that's when cool. I realized, oh, this is a huge, huge object slowly moving across the sky. And again, I, this was crazy wind because, of course, my mind wanted to go, that's a balloon. It's a balloon. It's a balloon, Jack. But no, there was no possible way it was a, a balloon, and that's not even what a, what an air balloon would look like. Yeah. yeah. But it was huge, and so slowly moving across the sky, my heart was racing, and I knew, Jack, this is something unexplainable, and I couldn't even. It didn't look anything like sort of you know maybe the way you think an experimental governmental plane would look like, but also it was moving too slow for yeah. that. How long did you observe it for? 10 minutes? Wow. And oh, the you, whole time, my heart racing. And did you see it like take off or anything, or did it just no, go out of distance? I ne- no, it just went out of out of, si- of view. Yeah. So anyway, that that was wow. my one experience. That's not quite a, as thrilling as what you described, like dancing, colorful lights. No, and, no, no, but, no. That wasn't no, even my... I think that's, that's pretty awesome. That's a craft, awesome. it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. There's not a lot of people that get to see that stuff. I mean, well, actually, there there is, but... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was just asking wild. in terms of like what the behavior of the craft yeah, was, was just, like. Yeah, don't I don't think the lights had color and they didn't blink and they just it was just a huge shape outlined in these like eight lights. Well, that I think is important because a lot of times you hear these stories and you think that the you know it's like the Phoenix lights stuff where it's like you think the lights themselves are the individual craft, but oftentimes they're connected by a larger yeah. mass. They, they block out the stars, yeah. Well, I when I noticed that, that I'll never Details forget, because really that's cool. when the adrenaline started to go crazy, when I realized that. Because right. my brain could accept it if it was, uh, you know, a bunch of helicopters. Yeah. And did you know which direction it was headed? Was yeah. it heading out towards the ocean? or No, it was in... he- heading north northeast. Wild. Did you ever think of reporting it or anything like that? No. No. Most case, was, most people don't, yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't have known who to say it to. And this is before I even had a... I mean, if I had a cell phone, it was like that, that first one with the antenna. There was internet. Right. Was, there weren't all these websites where you could like go, hey, guys, I saw... <laughs> yeah, right. That's wild. Did you feel any... Uh, did anything happen before or after that that was strange or odd or... Just sort of nonstop bleeding from my eyes. Yeah, oh. that's totally normal. Normal. Yeah. 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 That's just Nothing goes to worry with about. territory. Yeah. That's wild. It seems to be clear, cleared up now, which is good. No, it isn't. Oh. It's, no, it's coming out of other places, but oh, you wouldn't... Don't okay. worry about it. Wow. <laughs> wow, that's wild. That is difficult. That's wild. So what you, you, go ahead. No, I, we were talking over each other it's okay. so much today. We're just it's so excited okay. by a UFO story. Bryce, I please. I, I was going to say, so where do you think your obsession with UFOs come from or... Have you always just been fascinated with the idea or the topic? We're on the That's same page because that, I mean, the- <laughs> that was my question. Well, as we were talking about Empire Strikes Back, like I've always been obsessed with sci-fi, Close Encounters, and then Empire Strikes Back I was like friggin' obsessed with. So I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's more just I, I love that kind of otherworldly stuff, and I'm, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I believe in that sort of higher power. We're all connected, and that, that would mean that, that you can have thoughts beyond yourself, 
um, empaths, but more importantly, psychics. Like I really believe in that stuff. I have a great psychic story for later if you want to hear. Yeah. But well, I'll just I'll just quickly tell it. My my friend wrote the movie. Take all the time you need. Yeah, tell it slow. <laughs> <laughs> Tell it nice and slow. Ew. You just <laughs> feel naked. Um, my friend, uh, I, I was friends with the woman who wrote Bring It On. It's that cheerleader movie that yeah. was huge, right? Okay. I was in Bring It On again. You were? Yeah. Oh, God. That, what a clever title. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I won the spirit stick in that. They, uh, the, the cheerleaders who I did the, uh, the routines with, they awarded me at the end of the movie the actual coveted spirit stick. Wow. Dude. Oh, God. What do you got to do to get that? Well, you just got to have a great attitude. <laughs> and, uh, and they were like, uh, Bryce, we present you with this spirit stick, and it's never touched the ground because your spirit has never been that low. And I was like, oh, I think that's the verbiage. But, uh, <laughs> So yeah, I kept it. I gave it to my daughter, but anyway. I love that. Yeah. So it really is a, a stick? Yeah, it's like, like a from yellow... A, you it's pull a yellow, off a tree? No, it's like a, no, it's like a baton. Ground. It's like a baton. <laughs> Go get a switch, boy. No, it's a, uh, <laughs> oh, wow. It's like a yellow baton, you know? And then they... Uh, yeah, so... Which is funny because I showed up to rehearsals completely hungover and I was like, listen, just so you know... I can't stay all day. <laughs> you know, so I really must have turned it we around. love your honesty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I she... just love the idea of you just being like, just reeking of Jägermeister around like a pack of 17, 18 year old girls. Yeah, right, just like right. the biggest dirt bag. I love what you guys are doing, but I, I got to leave in about a half hour. <laughs> have you, uh, have you, you girls know about animal mutilations, right? <laughs> Uh, so, uh, anyway. so, so, go so on. she was a, a kind of just feeling low, or or wanted felt aimless. She hadn't writ- she hadn't actually um, finished writing the movie yet, but she was deep into the process of writing Bring It On, and she went to see a psychic because she she was working on a few things, didn't know what to do, feeling lost. Wanted the psychic to maybe point her in a direction. Now this psychic he listens to you, and as he's listening to you talk, about, uh, you know he he's writing on a on a tablet of paper, writing on a tablet of paper, and then um, so but. What she's talking about is not, no details about her life. She's just introducing herself, blah, blah, blah. Now, at this point, Bring It On was not called Bring It On. It, it had a working title of Cheer Fever. Cheer mm. Fever mm. was what she was thinking of calling it. So, Cheer Fever, again, doesn't oh. have the <laughs> yeah, ring exactly. to it. Yeah. Well, that's right. why it never got made. But um, <laughs> So anyway, she's just talking and saying, Hi, my name's Jessica, this and that. And he's writing the tablet. And she finishes talking, and he looks at the tablet, and, and um, he says, because he's written this down, he says, What's Cheer Virus? Weird. She goes, cheer vir- You mean cheer fever? Whoa. He's like, yeah, you need to keep working on that. She should have like, named no, it cheer, cheer virus. I wish the movie was named Cheer Virus. <laughs> <laughs> that, cheer that virus is, again. That is a great horror story oh, yeah. idea. Uh, I don't know film. If, if it would have made as much money. <laughs> but you're right. It's a great uh, horror film. I beg to differ. Copyright Big Foot Collectors Club. <laughs> Cheerleading is already a horror film. My I God, know. those girls can break. You break your neck. Don't do that. Not if Bryce is throwing you in That's there. That's true. He's the, yeah. I always said it was like weightlifting with girls. It was like, you know. <laughs> I, totally. Totally. You know, you, but just... you, you dip a finger in. It's more fun than weightlifting. <laughs> oh, boy. That, Sorry. That uh, wouldn't have won really me the spirit stick. Yeah, exactly. Don't do that, boys. Um, well, that's wild. Yeah, it's so... a great, great story. I, I went to a psychic because I wanted that cheer virus moment. And she got some stuff wrong but she got a lot of stuff really right like uncanny stuff about my dad who has no 
presence on the internet, and he really died too early for that. And yeah. she just oh. basically knew everything about him, and his mother's name, his wife's name, and um, his his uh, girlfriend's name, and what we did as a family. And I was I was sobbing when she was talking Whoa. about that. That was heavy. So that holds water with you, being oh, able yeah. to tap into the section about my dad. I guess I have it on tape. Is very because I I was there when with him when he died, and he, and the the stuff that she said he was saying to me. Mm. I have no explanation for it because no one could possibly know any of it. Right. Wow. Yeah, it's that's, amazing. That's pretty powerful. Oh, that is really wild, man. And the weird thing too is she. One thing she mentioned about my dad, that I was like, "Well, that can't." I've never heard of that. She said he's he's standing on Heather's mound. I think that's what it's called, Heather's mound. But I may be saying that wrong. And, and he's talking to us from Heather's mound. He, he's and I was like, "I don't know what that is. I've never heard of it." Well, I looked up my hometown. There's a Heather's mound within a mile of my house. God. But it was just this weird Indian burial ground and i've looked at pictures of it off of google and it's just sort of a little tiny acre of a park with some trees so i thought that was very, very have you gone there no no would you ever think about it maybe no. you should visit okay he was there not me right he, and I he didn't know. say come to me <laughs> right come to me <laughs> he didn't now, say boy. i buried our family fortune there right, right. <laughs> uh, i mean me read there. between the lines jack <laughs> Damn. he actually did us some illegal things and stole quite a bit of money from the government. And we always had this. <laughs> right on. My dad is fascinating. He was the vice president of Hustler for a time. Really? And yes. And when Larry Flint got shot as a little kid, I didn't even know Larry Flint got shot. I just knew we were going on a family vacation right. to Disney World very quickly. Kids get in the van. <laughs> Right, and all the way down to Disney World, my dad was recording everything that had happened at the Flint Industries while he was there into a recorder. He didn't know if he was going to get no shot way. next. Nobody knew who had killed, who had right. shot him at the time. So my dad's a fascinating person, but he had this old soda machine he bought, kept in our garage, and then my sister had it when he died. We never got into it, and my sister burst into it, and we were really hoping we'd find all of this money. Yeah. <laughs> it was nothing. Right, right. Oh, wow. You know that bag, duffel bag full of cash is somewhere. Yeah, it's somewhere. Heather's Mound. Heather's Mound. Heather's I Mound. think you've got... Now there's like going to be at least one Bigfoot Collectors Club yeah. listener who's out there with a shovel tomorrow morning. <laughs> yeah, no, it's an, yeah, literally an Indian a, burial yeah. ground. We get a 10% <laughs> not, don't, don't take those <laughs> You're going to have a poltergeist yeah. situation on your head. No, don't, Shining. Shining is the one. Yeah. And poltergeist. No, Poltergeist, they moved the... Oh, they I just, just rewatched it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My memory was it was Indian. It wasn't... Not, you're right. They, yeah, it was Shining where they... Where that, that was built on an Indian burial ground. Oh, yeah. In the movie, not yeah. the book. Yes, right. That right, movie right, right, is right. One, my favorite, one of my top five. Ooh. Stanley Hotel, yeah. Ooh. Still gives me nightmares. Yeah, it's a great movie. That's wild. Yeah. So do you still see psychics to this day or... No, but it's, I not at all. But I I went to a bit of a psychic event once where the woman gave me something that really helped my entire life. She said, "You have angels around you who are ready to do your bidding, and when you state a desire, they fly off and make it happen. But if you state a desire and you change your mind, you have." She literally gave it like a time. It's like sixty seconds to clear cancel. <laughs> Clear. You just say, you just say, angels, clear, cancel. But I got to tell you, I have used clear, cancel, and so have the friends I've shared it with so many times because we all have that moment where we go, oh, God, I hope I, uh, I just want to stab this woman, or right. I hope this plane I'm on just crashes. You know where you just have a crazy thought, you know? And I'm not saying you really want it, but you have a crazy thought. And, they, and it used to sort of bug me because I was like, oh, I wish I hadn't thought that. And now I just go... Clear cancel. Uh, clear cancel. <laughs> clear cancel. And then my angels won't go out and make it happen. This sounds like a karmic murderous Siri 
Like yes, <laughs> yes, it's, it is like it's a Alexa, little scary. Yeah, clear wow. cancel. Uh, and and then another psychic at another at another at a dinner party gave me something that I've shared with all of my actors. This is the very one of the very base of what I teach in my acting workshop. Is she she said the the line, release and destroy your need for some whatever. I don't remember what we were talking about. And I have. Uh, that resonated with me so powerfully, and I realized it was kind of the key to me getting over my anxiety was this concept of releasing and destroying my need to impress people or to book this or that job. And that's where I got that, and I've turned it into these what I call actor affirmations that basically makes it so you can go to an audition and just have a good time instead yeah. of being filled with anxiety. And that's all. Everything I teach you can read for free on my website, uh, jackplotnick.com, and you click on Teacher, and there's a free ebook with um, a lot of stuff to help actors, but also a lot of stuff to help anybody uh, get what they want from life and to let go of their anxiety. I mean, th- these affirmations work even if you're just trying to like get a date, you yeah. know. Yep. So, so you weren't kidding. You really do teach uh, about like overcoming anxiety and that's, that stuff. That is that's the most important thing I teach because acting's so damn easy because it's just playing pretend. What I teach is what what is how to get out of your own way so you can enjoy how easy and fun acting is. And I can and I, testify, I've been going to your class for off and on for the last 10 years or so. And it is, what you do is like a marvel. It's so incredible. Thank you have you. such a, a poignant way of like just dissecting not only what's happening in a scene, but what's happening with somebody who's trying to uh, to do the scene. Oh, uh, thank you. It's an you. amazing gift. I, yeah. Thank you. And But you don't have to come to my workshop. You can just read my free book. Everything I teach is in there. It's called New Thoughts for Actors. It's on my website. Yeah. It's incredible. Jackplotnick.com. Well, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back. We're going to play our favorite game, Bullshit yes. or Believe It, and then we're going to hear about that death story. Okay, cool. I truly believe that this is the newest and greatest version of a Rorschach test. It's really like a window <laughs> into one's psyche. Oh, dear God. <laughs> it's time for can bullshit I, or believe it. Jack, let's Jack's see who been explaining the rules over break. Where are the curtains? <laughs> On your mark. Get set. Ghosts. Uh, believe it. UFOs. Believe it. Bigfoot. Oh. Hey, remember where you are. Angels. Bullshit. Gnomes. Bullshit. Berries. Bullshit. Unicorns. <laughs> Bullshit. Loch Ness Monster. Ooh. Believe it. Alien Greys. Fucking believe it. Parallel Universes. <laughs> believe it. Shapeshifters. <laughs> Bullshit. Mermaids. <laughs> Bullshit. Heaven. Oh, believe it. Hell. Bullshit on heaven. Oh, but bullshit on hell, definitely. Dragons. B- uh, bullshit. Yeti. Bullshit. Elves. Bullshit. ESP. Believe it. Chupacabra. B- believe it? I have done that. I'm you doing are. it like Bryce. <laughs> <laughs> we got yelled at Tom from uh, Tom Link. By- That's racist. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. He's uh, angry about everything. Don't worry. <laughs> Demons. Uh, bullshit. Atlantis. Bullshit. Life on other planets. Believe it. World peace. Believe it. Oh. Peace in the multiverse. Bullshit. 
That's <laughs> <laughs> the only one that's ever bullshit. So are we are, 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 are multiverses? Are, uh, there's too many universes, and there's so many assholes out there. How are we going to possibly? Well, don't that you think is the that's answer true. I've been waiting for <laughs> this <laughs> whole game. No <laughs> one's ever bullshitted Peace in the Multiverse. You're the first one. Riley's Please. like, thank you. <laughs> oh <my God>. Finally, <laughs> a realist. Yeah. You know some of those aliens are fucking oh, jerks. Have to be. Have to be. Yeah. Don't you think, though, that there's like, you know, it all works in harmony overall? But that's not, not peace. This, no, okay. You're right. Yeah. There are evil dimensions, and we must fight the darkness to exactly. keep, them, yeah. keep it at bay. You said bullshit on Bigfoot. I'm sorry, guys. I mean, the thing is, words mean things, and th- people use words to mean different things. And, and, and I believe they're absolutely 100% believe there are crazy creatures out there we might not have come across. But then... Big, like literally the Bigfoot from like Harry and the Hendersons. I go, oh, that's so stupid. So I think maybe <laughs> I'm a little can confused. Get out of here <laughs> yeah. right now, <laughs> Riley. Cut off his mic. <laughs> <We're> done. <laughs> I, yeah. So I guess I'd say actually probably believe it because I do believe there could there's absolutely could be like a big ape walking creature, sort of a, a, a missing link type guy somewhere in the world. Possibly, uh, it could be. You know, there's kind of two cl- two fields. Oh of boy, theory. here it comes! Here it comes! You can, <laughs> the look of smugness on your face. Uh, actually, I'd say I there's mean, like uh, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe there's like three classes. There, you have the one that's like the oh, the missing link, and then that you have the other that it's just like some like uh, undiscovered primate, and then, and then you have the. Uh, <laughs> But something I more totally is that this <laughs> it might live more in the realms of the supernatural, you know. That, oh. uh, yeah, well, anyway. uh, we're gonna talk about this during about... high strangeness for sure, oh, okay. a little uh-huh. bit, but before we get there, near death. Well, no, I'm sorry, I just I because I was alone with my father when he died, I, oh. I just ha- I could describe a sort of interesting moment that happened right at the end. If you want to hear, please do, yeah. yeah. Well, um, okay, so. Uh, what if we were like, no, actually, let's, uh, Mike, let's go to your story. <laughs> so he, yeah, so he's uh, very close to death and um, it ca- it arrived and uh, I knew the second it did, it was shortly after I gave him a little teeny bit of morphine because he was having a hard time breathing and you're supposed to because it, if they can't like, so anyway, I don't want this to be morbid, so I'm really skipping and just want to share this moment. So he was exhausted. His eyes could barely keep his eyes open. And uh, all of a sudden, he it was as if his heart started racing. And this is the moment of death, really. And he his eyes opened very wide, and he turned up and to the right, and as if he was seeing something terrifying or uh, astounding. And he was leaning away from what he was seeing. So he's leaning very far in his chair to the left. He's suddenly very energized and staring at something up and to the right. And all I could think of in that moment was, you know, the heavenly stairs, the white light, uh, his mother, uh, you know, calling for him. And I actually stood up because I was at his knees just sobbing and uh, saying goodbye. But I stood up and I got in his line of vision and I was calling to him and he looked right through me. And um, I was yelling his name and dad, can you hear me? And and I, oh God, I was saying, what do you see? What are you seeing? And he was past the ability to talk in this moment, but very energized physically. Hmm. And, um, and then he, and then he passed away and the, and, uh, his body relaxed and he uh, looked back down at me and the moment that your life leaves your eyes you know it like the second you see it and my reaction was so interesting because 
A moment earlier, I had been sobbing and saying, it's okay, you can go. And the moment I saw the light leave his eyes, I was hit by a profound peace. And Mm. the thought yelled in my ears. It said, you know this. You've seen this many times. In other words, what I'm trying to say is that death, the second we actually see it, we go, oh, Mm-hmm. Oh, I know that, and I knew that, and that's not scary. Now, in hindsight, I have kind of made excuses for all of my experience. So, for instance, with my dad, what I decided is quite possible is that they say that as you're dying, your eyesight leaves before you're hearing. And so I don't think he was seeing anything. In ter- he may have been—you know how when someone says, well, what street did you grow up on? And some people will look up into the left and thinking, oh, let me think. Well, you know, sometimes memories you could imagine being kept up into sure, the left. Sure. And that maybe he was just um, lost in a memory, and that's what was happening. Mm. And then in terms of my feeling of, of peace in that moment of death, uh, could have been going into shock. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't reduce it like that. Yeah, I, I'm telling you, I reduced it, right? But, um, and I'm aware of that, but the, but I'm I doesn't discount my experience, so I I agree with you. I don't. Yeah, I feel like what you described feels pretty profound, and you know, I absolutely. Feel like yeah. Not only that, beyond... it's on, it's in common, it's and it's on pace with uh, what people experience in near death experiences, as well as like you know. Well, this was years later that I started to go. Well, Jack, maybe what you experienced wasn't real. So I was you know coming up with the. I agree. Wow. But uh, anyway, so thought I'd share that. It can wow, be both too, though. You yeah. know, it really can. Mm-hmm. But like, it definitely made me a lot less afraid of death. And it made me feel like, oh, I've died many deaths in my life. I've been wow. there. I've done that. And it's not scary. Yeah. So I, always had, I always had this feeling that like we come into this world like screaming and in pain and sort of trauma induced, like leaving the, the <laughs> sanctity of a womb. And then I felt always felt that like death would be the opposite of that. Since everything in life seems to has its yin and its yang. I always felt that like once death actually took over, it was really sort of anti-traumatic it was sort of the opposite of what it would be like coming into this world and really serene and peaceful and sort of a a, a back to the uh to that source wherever wherever it is we came before we were born you know yeah interesting i don't know but there was an incredibly poetic moment right after that because the ambulance guy came he put my dad on a stretcher put a white sheet over him and he tied him to the stretcher i didn't know why i followed him out into the hallway we had to take an elevator to the lobby we got on the elevator and he stood the table up so now I'm in an elevator with an EMT and my dad, who's now under a sheet, essentially standing up. Yeah, my oh my dad God. was a tall man. Right. And that was a really <laughs> crazy <Weird>. elevator ride. <laughs> and then I went to, I slept at his place alone that night. And I remembered the thought that kept coming to me was, please don't walk into this room, dad. Please don't walk. I just <laughs> right. had this. I couldn't sleep because I kept thinking he's going to just walk in and go, Jack, I'm not dead. And I hear, and I, and then I would just have a heart attack and a stroke and explode. <laughs> but I buried a treasure, Jack. You got to know about the treasure. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for sharing that story. Yeah, We're going to take another story. quick break. We come back. It's time for high strangeness as if it hasn't been strange enough. I know. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. We've been doing this podcast for uh, a little over a year and a half now. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, now Jack may not, but Bryce Riley, you guys know, uh, as exampled by our story of Flix, the concert lake monster a couple weeks ago over on our Patreon, there's nothing more than I love that, that I love more than a good summertime monster. With teens and lakes and small towns. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. So in honor of that, I know we're still, uh, you know, we're in late winter, early spring months, but I want to celebrate the summertime with a little song I wrote called Summer Monsters. <laughs> you did not write a song, did you really? Boom. Summer monster made a plaster cast. Summer monster, I shit my pants. I met a beast hungry for me. I told my boss he didn't believe me. Now teenage sons are loading shotguns and trudging into the swamps. Willow, willow, willow. That's tell it. me more, tell me more. <laughs> Yay. I've, I'll, I've asked it before and I'll ask it again. What is it with hot summer nights and the monsters that haunt them? It's a great question. July 1960, the Concert Lake Monster in Millersburg, Oregon. June 1964, the Dewey Lake Monster in Dog Reac, Michigan. July 1969, the Lake Worth Monster in Fort Worth, Texas. July 1972, Momo in Louisiana, Missouri. June 1988, the Lizard Man of Skateboard Swamp. And these are only the ones we've covered on the podcast. Just a handful of strange, hulking cryptids allegedly seen during the summer months across America, most commonly in a time period between the mid to late 1950s in the mid-70s. Were small-town folks just bored because of lack of recreational variety? Were newspapers trying to boost sales with tales of fearsome cryptids? Or did the veil between our world and a vast sea of various dimensions grow thin for a few decades, perhaps the result of some strange cosmic alignment in the multiverse? That one. <laughs> I literally wrote pause here for Bryce to confirm. <laughs> Allowing strange entities a pathway into the backyards and roadsides of rural America. Monster visitations are not limited to the warmer months. One need only to look at the Beast of Bray Road or the Bigfoot of Bear Road to recognize that no time of the year is truly safe from the encounters with cryptids, especially during this era of high strangeness. But just a casual glance at these stories will make you wonder why, especially in the 1960s, were so many small towns run amok with posses, often led by horny teens wielding shotguns, (laughs) hunting swift, (laughs) moving behemoths, 
along moonlit ridges and murky banks. What is the mystery of the summer monster? I cannot answer that question today. I can only provide you a simple testimony of a man named Robert Cockrell and the eyewitness account that set yet another town mad with monster fever. This is the story of the Grafton Monster. Mm-hmm. Also sometimes referred as referred to as the Headless Horror or the Beast of Grafton, this cryptid was first spotted on the evening of July 16th, 1965 in Taylor County, West Virginia, the same state that had recently encountered the Flatwoods Monster and would soon become host to the likes of Indrid Cold and the Mothman. Robert Cockrell, a local newspaper reporter, was driving home from his job at the Grafton Sentinel along Riverside Drive that ran parallel to the Tiger Valley River. As Robert rounded the bend, he noticed a large being, seven to nine feet tall, four feet wide, with alabaster-white, slick, seal-like skin, Hmm. and no discernible head. Sounds like it might have been a giant penis. (laughs) It also reminds me of the pumpkin-shaped, pumpkin-headed-shaped Momo from Louisiana, Missouri, a Bigfoot-like creature with no uh, with no head on its shoulders. Perhaps its head was just hunched down. We do not know. Neither did Robert Cockrell. He races home, his mind reeling, trying to figure out what he had just seen. Now, it's important to mention that almost from the get-go, Cockrell is very unsure about telling anyone about this. After all, he works for a newspaper and is supposed to have a rational, objective mind. Now, how could he admit to people that he thinks he saw some kind of monster down at the Tiger River? But he just can't shake that weird feeling. In fact, he wouldn't be able to let it go for the rest of his life. Although, few people would likely know that. But more on that in a minute. So, Cockrell goes home, probably doesn't sleep too well that night. Maybe makes himself a stiff drink and puts on a little Hank Williams to calm his nerves and think. Finally, he calls up two friends. And the three of them head back to the spot where Cockrell encountered the Headless Beast. Of course, the mysterious cryptid had vanished. But Cockrell and his pals noted that the grass where the monster had been standing was matted down, as if stomped on and crushed by heavy feet. So they walked down to the banks of the river, and now you have to remember this is a small town in 1965. It's got to be dark out there. They searched the river for a while, but they never came across any monster. However, they agreed that they could hear an eerie whistling sound that seemed to follow them. split up, they go home, they call it a night. Cockerel tosses and turns that night, thinking should he face ridicule and report the story? Ultimately, his curious mind and sense of journalistic duty got the better of him, and the next day Cockerel goes to work and tells his editor at the Sentinel about the large white headless monster he saw lurking on the banks of the Tiger River. Good for him. His editor was skeptical, But any newspaper man knows that a good monster story sells papers. So he reluctantly agrees to print a heavily edited version of the tale on June 18th. So the story goes to print and suddenly people start calling in 
and telling Cockrell and his editor that they too have seen this Grafton monster. And whenever it's summertime in a small town in the 1960s and there's a monster on the loose, you knows you knows <laughs> what happens next. Horny teens with torches. That's right. <laughs> good check, good. Grafton was suddenly swarmed with mobs and posses looking for a headless beast to shoot. People come from came from all around to capture the monster. And at one point, Riverdale Drive was jammed bumper to bumper with traffic carrying cars and pickup trunks, trucks full of amateur... Uh, monster killers. Yep. And rowdy teenagers wielding pitchforks and shotguns. What you want to do tonight, Betty? Well, I saw in the paper there was a, a headless thing. We can go posse on after that. I mean, it sounds like a good time. Let's do it. I want to go. <laughs> All right, get your shit. <laughs> the two-year-old. He's welcome to come. Everyone had guns back then. <laughs> well, so the sheriff wasn't too happy about all the traffic and uh, posses. So he contacts the paper and Cockrell's editor, who was already skeptical, like I said. And the editor prints a news story that claimed that the beast was just a figment of the town's imagination cooked up by, quote unquote, spring fever and a lack of recreational activities. <laughs> I knew we should open that new drive-in. <laughs> the Sentinel even went as far to suggest Cockrell, one of their own reporters, may have simply seen a vagrant pushing a shopping cart full of cardboard boxes alongside the road. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Looks exactly like that. Right. So the fervor dies down. Grafton goes back to its quaint, quiet ways. And the Grafton monster seems to slip into obscurity. However, Cockrell couldn't shake it. He didn't know what he saw, but he knew he saw something. And it wasn't an escaped polar bear like one of the locals theorized. He actually looked into and there were no reports of any such animal escaping from a zoo or a circus. Cockrell kept quietly researching, contacting over 20 witnesses who called into the paper and tracked sightings of the beast within an 18-mile radius of the town. So Cockrell, apparently burned by the way the story ran, decided not to publish his findings. Instead, he mailed his notes to ufologist and paranormal researcher Gray Barker, the man who put Men in Black, or MIBs, into public consciousness with his book, They Knew Too Much About Flying Saucers. Now, Barker, as I mentioned back in our episode on John Keel and the Grinning Man, is a problematic uh, figure in the paranormal field and deserves an episode all on his own. Publicly, Barker published Ufology and Cryptozoology and the Paranormal because books because they were hot sellers during this time period. Privately, according to friends and colleagues, he referred to his published work in this field as his cookie books or cookie books. A cookie book would be a much... <laughs> it's more like a cookbook about cookies. <laughs> it's a cookbook! It's a cookie book. His cookie books and often embellished or even sometimes created outright hoaxes on his own to perpetuate the UFO mythology. However, Barker never did anything with Cockrell's notes. Cockrell's research on the Grafton monster was discovered in Barker's files after his death. In their correspondence, Cockrell told Barker that he saw, quote, a huge white obstruction on the right side of the road, standing between the road and the riverbank on a cleared-off section of grass, 
And despite the fact that his editor walked the story back to appease law enforcement and the rational minds of men with lesser imaginations, these are my words, not his, Cockrell was certain that the hulking white oddity he saw alongside Riverside Drive that night in June was, quote, very much alive. Barker suggested that the headless horror may have been, in fact, an extraterrestrial. But don't feel too bad for the Grafton monster. While never quite becoming a marquee name in the Legion of Cryptids, his legend does live on. In fact, he is currently experiencing a massive pop culture movement. Oh. Much to my surprise, but perhaps not to, the, uh, to many of our listeners, the Grafton monster is just one of many famous West Virginian folklore beasts, included, including the Mothman and the Flatwoods monster, currently featured in Fallout 76, the latest installment in Bethesda Games' massive hit post-apocalyptic video game franchise. Oh, really? Thus bringing the wonder and the monstrosity of these summer monsters to a whole new generation of fans. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is pretty cool. I had no idea. And if you Google Grafton Monster, you're going to get more about Fallout 76 (laughs) than you are the actual story. Really? Um, but it looks pretty cool, and it makes me want to play the play the game. So I wanted to leave you guys with this today. This is from uh, John Keel's book, Strange Creatures from Time and Space. And uh, this is from the chapter, A World Filled with Ambling Nightmares. And I, I thought this was a nice way to sum up encounters like those with uh, of the Grafton monster. Keel's talking about where do these monsters go if these cryptids exist where are they hiding out and this is in uh, 1969 1970 he's writing this so this is only four years after the Grafton monster Keel says we have a theory it is not very scientific but it is based upon the known facts these creatures and strange events tend to recur in the same areas year after year even century after century this in itself indicates that the creatures somehow live in those areas which we call windows. West Virginia had many unusual creature reports before Mothman appeared in 1966. Either everyone in West Virginia is slap-happy, a theory we vehemently contest since we have visited that state five times in the past three years, or else there is some place in the back hills where these things are hiding out. Our next fact makes the hideout theory untenable. Posses, experienced hunters, and even helicopters have searched for these monsters immediately after some of these events have failed to find any trace of a hiding place. So where did they go? Mundane explanations do not seem to fit the known facts. We have to stretch our minds a bit and extend our imaginations into the paranormal. The sudden appearances and disappearance of these wild, unknown creatures all over the world, even in densely populated areas, suggest that they have some means of transportation or else they are deliberately dumped here and retrieved by some form of transportation. Although unidentified flying objects, UFOs, are frequently seen in these same window areas, they, too, manage to appear and disappear before the bewildered eyes of Air Force fighter pilots. Obviously, something far more complicated is involved. Some specialists are now toying with theories involving concepts of the fourth dimension. Researchers such as Alan Greenfield of Atlanta, Georgia, and Brinsley Lepore Trench, a well-known British author, have considered ideas involving interpenetration, 
They speculate that another world exists outside our space-time continuum and that these myriad objects, objects and creatures have found doors from their world to ours in these window sectors. Admittedly, it is a far-fetched idea, yet much of the data supports it. No matter what the source, something strange is engulfing our planet. It does not matter if these unbelievables are coming from some distant star or from the fourth dimension. They are here. They have been seen by many. Perhaps one day the Bronx Zoo will have a mothman and an abominable snowman in cages next to the Komodo dragon. But until that day arrives, we must consider every possibility and every explanation. Yep. <laughs> there you go. Whoa. Some dramatic, just dramatic. Went real out <laughs> through a portal yeah. fast. I was, I was doing a portal, portal closed. Port, portal, port, portal closed. I need to hear so much more about interpenetration. <laughs> well, it's just fascinating. I mean, this book, you know, you know, we tease Bryce, we tease ourselves, but like Keel's writing about this stuff, and he was one of the first people to really write about this stuff. And this is really what his books are re- all about. So uh-huh. when we talk about portals and all this stuff we really are discussing the work of john keel and i'm telling you i'm having so much fun finally digging in and reading his books and it's all there on the page as almost in real time as it's happening i loved listening to that and it really brought me back to like like fourth grade and 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 i just back when you really were open open to believing so all of that stuff and that music was amazing. All played live. That was incredible. Oh, I need a, an entire album of that. That was really <laughs> wonderful to hear. It does take it, you know, there is that brought, childlike... It, it brought back the kid in me. Yeah, there's a childlike awesome. wonder about it, which I really, really love. And um, we'll be going further and further into the work and the in the life of John Keel, obviously. It's, well, and no it's, other... No it's other, in the DNA of our podcast. There's mm-hmm. no other person who spent more time interviewing witnesses and boots on the ground than actually John Keel. I mean, this is a guy who investigated, you know, not only UFOs and Yetis and uh, black magic. I mean, he studied it all and not just studied it, but he was, you know, practiced it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah, He wasn't actually a herpetologist, a snake charmer, but um, yeah. Anyway. So even though, yeah, sometimes our theories do seem to be a little, uh, a little out there, but uh, you know they're they're backed by some uh, some great people who shared the same opinions. Just fun to think about. Yep. What, do you, what do you think? What the hell is that? Uh, that well, that really of reminds the me. Monster, what, that really reminds me. Like, yeah, before the internet and, and and cell phones and everything, there's a lot of stories that people that a lot of people said this really happened, and it's lost to time. And so I'm so it's when you hear them again and you hear the actual people sharing their story, how can you not believe it? Right. I know. I would agree. That's why we have this show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just happy to to hear that some of these uh, creatures are being brought back to life in video games. I think it's pretty awesome that there's, you know... To a whole new generation. Yeah. yeah. And absolutely. it's interesting, too, to say, uh, what if there was a period of time where the, the, the window between the parallel universes was just thinner and th- c- things could get through that's more? That's kind of really where, neat. That's where my head's mm-hmm. at right now. And there's another book that I um, just Because the world was up. different then. I was there in the 70s. And I, I'm obsessed with serial killers. Not that I want to be one. I just want to look at the pictures. No, I'm kidding. But I, <laughs> I, I, I know, but I follow it. I get obsessive with it and it's not healthy. But the point is... 
we the, the, humanity went insane around 70 you know around yeah. 1970 and there was a lot of crazy stuff going on and maybe that there's more it's it's maybe there was a sort of magical uh, otherworldly thing happening god who knows well that's kind of where my head's at right now and there is a uh, book that i just picked up um mm. i put it on the instagram and i can't it's i think not in 1970 reach. literally every third person was a serial killer <laughs> <laughs> well, you know they Those say numbers are staggering. Several people in your family. And <laughs> well, I you know, there's a whole theory about the leaded gas, right? That the reason that they think that the a lot of the reason there was a lot of that going on in the 60s and 70s is because gas still had lead in it. Oh shit! And a whole generation of people were starting to become like fucked up like from, lead poisoned from lead mm. from lead poisoning and my we're heavy going metal crazy. count is through the roof i mean i don't know the statistics <laughs> on that but that sounds that's a really you know kooky fun theory but uh <sighs> anyway God. yeah there's this idea that um in this book that i picked up that um is on the instagram i think it's called the myth of and mythology of ufos it's something like that but there's a whole section on it of calling those years between the mid 50s to the mid to late 70s the era of high strangeness and that's really where my my attention has been focused on in the past few months on this podcast there's just so much stuff there mm-hmm. um all right well we have to go uh jack thank you so much for being on the show yeah, thank thank you, where jack. can people find your stuff Oh, I make silly videos all the time. You can watch them all on uh, Instagram at, at at Jack Plotnick or my Facebook page or YouTube. Just Google Jack Plotnick. Awesome. Yeah. There you go. Jack, thank you for being on the show. Seriously, oh, thank, thank you, you guys so for much. having me. Thank you. Yeah. Love you guys. Welcome back. Anytime. Club member for life. <laughs> And we're back. Hey, guys. <laughs> it's the return of Collector's Corner, kind of. Uh, Jack was an awesome guest, dude. Thank you so yeah, much for bringing great? him in, Bryce. Oh, um, of course. I wanted to just ask you guys before we go, is there anything you two want to plug or anything that you're into right now as a collector or consumer that uh, a reader, a listener that you're into that you want to recommend to the audience? Riley? Uh, I have gone back and I started the X-Files from season one, episode one. Oh, wow. And I'm going to go back and watch all of it. So I'm about almost way through the first season. And it is, honestly, it holds up so well. Really? I mean, it, it also, like, doesn't but some of the like there's some single like single story episodes that are like oh boy the, yeah. the, like the face on mars episode is like a rough rough one to get <laughs> there's, through. A, there's a few get but through. just the overall like I, maybe it doesn't hold up at all actually it's just no, the it nostalgia does. but it does god i love the x-files so much and it's wow. just so nice going back and grace has never seen like any of it oh dude she just missed that it just wasn't part of her is she enjoying up. it yeah she loves it but now wow. she's like it's getting a little scary for me oh that's <laughs> Well, I was like, that's we're in good. season one. Yeah. Like, it gets way worse. How many seasons are there? <laughs> they were like, like 13 uh, or well, no, no, no. There were uh, they, eight, eight or nine God. originally, and then they just did two mini seasons. So I think they did like 10 and 11 oh, mini seasons I be on, on Fox. The, Plus show two, like that. two films. Right. I know. I could retire. That'd be great. I'd be done if I did like a 13 season alien show I'd, I'd be I, like I'm good yeah. I did everything I did not, everything I wanted not to. old David Duchovny he's like <laughs> um, what's next any Spindrift right. shows coming up yeah we have a few uh, we're, we're playing the bunkhouse in Las Vegas if you're in Vegas um, I that's coming up soon it's a, this is mid, we're second week of March right now yeah I think that's this weekend then okay um, and then uh, at the end of March we're playing the Desert Stars Festival in Joshua Tree. Awesome. It's That's a great cool. festival, and I think it's almost sold out. So okay. if you want to come, get a ticket if you're out in uh, Joshua Tree area. Great. Sweet. 
And Bryce, what about you? Anything I'm you want to plug? I'm not playing anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> what are you? Uh, what are you reading right now? You're always reading some some good books. What yeah. You- what? A, what? A, it's a. What is it? A book called uh, Zen and the Art of the Close Encounter. I think it's a. It's a compendium of uh, of sort of short essays and articles about. Uh, just about the the nature of the uh, of UFOs and the close encounter. I mean, it. So it, I, I find it fascinating because you know, it, it, with all these subjects that I think we're, we're interested in, it's easier to define stuff like Bigfoot and gnomes, and and they all sort of stay in their relative corner. But when it comes to this UFO thing, this close encounter thing, I mean, there are it just it seems to vary all over the place. And there are so many theories and hypotheses about it, and it's really just like trying to pin it down is is as elusive as the chupacabra. So I'm just yeah. I'm just trying to f- figure out where I position myself as a as a believer and and what and what theories I subscribe to because I often change them. And uh, right, I don't know. Right now, I'm I'm kind of like I'm sort of fascinated by the connection of the occult and the and the UFO sighting phenomena. Right. I think I think there's some sort of a connection there. I don't I don't know. You're going to awesome. be summoning UFOs before we know. <laughs> Dude, please Full tell us cloak. when you do. Oh my god. Uh, as for me, uh, the collection of Adventure Van comes out on March 20th. So talk to you if you're a comic book reader. Talk to your local comic shop about ordering the uh, graphic novel that collects issues one through five, which are fantastic. By the yeah, way, I tell man. Michael like I we, I know I'm not supposed to, but I read them to my seven-year-old son every night. I think it's night. fine. It's PG-13. He loves them. He has no problem with any of them. He's like, yeah. uh, but they, it's a, it, it, God, it, it, just well done, man. They're, they're so great. Oh, thanks, and, man. Uh, Thank so, you so, so much. So that's coming out as like a single graphic novel? Yeah, then? the that's first five so issues cool. are going to be collected in what they call a trade paperback uh, that comes out March 20th from Golden Apple Books. So again, you should be able to get it on Amazon, um, Comixology app, uh, but talk, barnesandnoble.com should carry it. Uh, talk to your local comic book store and support them and ask them to order you a copy. Um, Buy it. It's great. Yeah. And then, um, and then of course, guys, remember that we are doing our first live show, uh, June 2nd, June 1st. What is it? Whatever that Saturday is. Oh yeah. I do have a concert date then. Yeah, you do. You are playing a live (laughs) show at contact in the desert. Go to contact in the desert.com. Our panel, uh, will be on Saturday, June first, yes, at yes. two o'clock. Um, so all the information should be on the website. And of course, as we get closer to that date, we'll be giving you more information. We have a super secret surprise guest. Yeah, who we'll figure out who that person is soon. Um, but also, I forgot, <laughs> uh, Riley, uh, along with you in my little collector's corner, I've been watching Twin Peaks for the first time, for the first time ever. Oh, and yeah. boy, oh boy, is it filling a big old missing piece in the puzzle for me. I was like, shit. I never knew this was here. This is the greatest thing. I think I described it to you last week when we were talking off mic as the uh, if it is to extraterrestrials what uh, it is what X Files is to extraterrestrials. Twin Peaks is to the ultra terrestrial. Totally. And I am wow, super, dude, Bryce, you you are Bryce has not seen. You either, haven't seen Twin are, Peaks yet. I've never watched oh Twin Peaks God. or X Files. What? Wait, you never yeah. watched X Files? I've seen standoff episodes, but uh, you gotta watch oh Twin God. Peaks, right. and then you gotta watch X Files because I'm discovering what an influence <laughs> Twin Peaks was on X Files. 
And to my surprise, I guess not so much my surprise, True Blood as well. Hmm. Uh, there's a lot of Twin Peaks in True Blood, so that's been yeah. really fun wow. to, to uh, notice. All right, guys, we'll be back next week with an all-new episode. I want to thank my uh, super producer and my co-host, Bryce and Riley. I love you guys. Thank you. And we'll be back next week. Thank you to the listeners. Later. Bye, Later. Bigfoot Collectors Club is produced by Riley Bray. Our theme song is Come Alone by Sun Eaters, courtesy of Lotus Pool Records. If you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. It really helps get the podcast to more listeners. To support the show, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash Bigfoot Collectors Club and unlock multiple reward episodes every month. On a summer night, Douglas Wagg Jr. lay motionless across a strip of railroad tracks before being struck by an oncoming train. I'm investigative journalist Delia D'Ambra, and my investigation into exactly how Doug died took me into the depths of a bizarre mystery. It was really hard to understand what was fact and what wasn't. A mystery that has led me from one suspicious death to another. Listen to CounterClock now, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey guys, Heather Ashley here, host of the Big Mad True Crime Podcast. If you're looking for a true crime podcast with all of the details and none of the small talk, you have found your people. Each week, we dive deep into a new case and learn everything there is to know, from getting to know the victim and the impact their cases had on those around them, to the investigation into what happened to them and who is or might be responsible. And if the bad guy looks like he might drink whiskey by a dumpster or has the social skills of an ogre, we say it because we were all thinking it anyway. As the name suggests, we get big mad over true crime, and I would love to have you join our incredible community of listeners with big hearts and zero time for small talk. Subscribe to Big Mad True Crime anywhere you listen to podcasts and listen to new episodes every single Monday.